Hello, Tim Bennett here from this past team at BTL. And today we're talking about personalized testing. Now at the conference in Newcastle this year, we were delighted to be joined by Gavin Renault from Alpha Plus. Alpha Plus have been involved with BTL in a project to develop personalized testing in Wales. And what's interesting about this presentation is you'll hear Gavin talking about the amazing work that's gone on there and that Wales, and in my view, I've said this at a presentation very recently to uh, Qualification Wales, really are breaking new ground. And it's fantastic to see that one country in the union, certainly, and there are others as well who are really breaking new ground. And I really want people from England to sit up and listen to the amazing work that's been going on in Wales. So as Gavin will talk about here, 268,000 personalized tests have been delivered over the past year in Wales. And these are some truly fantastic computer adaptive tests. So we're not just talking about a fixed form examination, we're talking about an exam which changes its shape according to the learner's uh, answers to each of the questions. And it really helps to give much, a much more richer view as to the performance of the examination. So I'm going to leave you with Gavin now. He's going to talk you through it. Uh, and I hope you enjoy this. And it's really one that I, I hope that everyone sits up and, and wakes up to this fantastic work. So over to Gavin. I'm going to talk about Wales again. I have a slight feeling of deja vu because... Uh, I think two years ago, I said, oh, we've won this amazing new project in Wales. This is how we're going to do it. Uh, last year, I was here and said, we've built it. We're about to switch it on. Oh, wonder what's going to happen. Uh, this year, I'm talking about what's happened. Of course, Sonia's completely stole my thunder and gave you all the statistics, but hopefully there'll be a little more colour. But first of all, just a wee bit of context. Why were we so excited and passionate about this project? Well, to set the scene, because you know, you're all e-assessment converts, you know, the sort of the commercial world and the vocational world has long embraced e-assessment. But when we look at schools, what happens? Ken Boston, who was then in QCA 2004, said within five years, all new qualifications are going to have on-screen assessment. Exam boards are going to allow people to submit work electronically. GCSEs and A-levels will be on-screen. SATs tests are going to be on-screen. It's going to be on-demand testing. In 2004, this was his prediction. So, of course, come 2009, what had happened? Basically nothing. Uh, and then they said, uh, oh, well, over the next 10 to 15 years, uh, it's all going to be obsolete because it's going to be uh, computerized testing. Uh, but uh, uh, one of my fellow directors, Andrew Boyle, who was then working in Ofqual, you know, he published this paper and said, we're perennially forecasting that the horizon is just 10 years away and, and then everything will change. Uh, and he observed, you know, but, but nothing is changing. So how's this going to happen? And so uh, in, uh, in England, of course, absolutely nothing has happened. Uh, it still looks remarkably Victorian. But the Welsh government uh, was extremely brave. Uh, in 2013, uh, they introduced uh, national testing, and they introduced it on paper. It was sort of, a, 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 I guess, a, a quick and pragmatic uh, way to introduce the testing. 
But very early on, they commissioned a feasibility study to say, how are we going to take this on screen? Because teachers were marking these paper tests. It was taking a lot of time. That workload wasn't popular. And basically, they came up with a program and said, right, in 2018, we're going to roll out our numeracy tests on screen. In 2019, we're going to roll out the reading tests on screen. And in 2020, we're going to roll out the uh, uh, numerical reasoning, numerical problem solving, essentially. So, you know, this is, for the UK, really revolutionary stuff. You know, sort of 15 years after people first started saying it's just about to happen, the Welsh Government have actually... Uh, taken the plunge and done it. So, what's happened in year one? We have had 268,000 learners sit a personalised assessment. So, this is 96% of the uh, cohort of the learners in, uh, uh, in Wales. And basically, this completion rate matches the completion rate of the, uh, uh, of the paper tests. Over time, we do expect actually we'll get pretty well close to uh, to 100%, but there's uh, 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 we're not quite there in the uh, in the first year. And about 60,000 learners completed two assessments, uh, which was interesting. So you know there are some schools that are embracing this for its diagnostic purpose. Um, so we've got uh, just short of 1,500 schools in total using it. And interestingly, we had 365 of our sort of modified large print test variants and 12 Braille assessments completed. So I'll come back and I'll talk more about accessibility uh, a little bit later on. One of the big unknowns that we had was what's the usage going to be like? Because this is a self-scheduled assessment. We said you can use this whenever you like to inform teaching and learning. We turn the system on and... Uh, uh, a few brave souls in December when we turned it on last year uh, logged on and used it in that first week. Interestingly, you know, sort of it did slowly ramp up as schools sort of knew it was coming on. But this here is the paper testing window. It's after Easter and kind of unsurprisingly, most schools kind of ignored it until they said, we know we always do our uh, tests just after uh, uh, Easter when the paper tests land. And lo and behold, they logged on in their droves to do the electronic uh, uh, test at the same time as they were doing the, uh, the paper tests. And then after that, we also started writing to schools to say, you do realise you, know, you are still statutorily obliged to do these assessments. And by the way, if you want your results, your standardised score results uh, before the end of uh, term, then you need to uh, get on and uh, uh, complete an assessment fairly quickly. And so we saw this sort of second hump as, as people scramble to, uh, to log on. So one of the interesting things we're going to look for this year is now schools know it's there, are they going to change their usage practice? Are they going to make it more part of their teaching and learning experience that they test up front to find out what learners' strengths and weaknesses are so that they can actually shape the teaching through the year? So that will be really interesting to, uh, to watch. So a little bit about how we do it on the procedural numeracy side. We've got a bank of 1,800 uh, items and it's a parallel English and Welsh bank. The items are identical in the two languages, and we've done a lot of work to make sure that there's no language differential between the, uh, between the items. 
everyone is IRT calibrated, so each item has a difficulty level, and each learner, basically, we are trying to identify that learner's ability level. And so the system adapts at the item level. If you get an item wrong, you'll get an easier item. If you get an item right, you'll get a harder uh, item. And what we're doing is trying to get each learner to get about half of their items uh, correct. Um, so we've, uh, uh, we've learned a few interesting bits. This thing about 50% uh, right, 50% wrong. For the learners at the lower end of the ability spectrum, when they were doing the paper tests, typically they would get somewhere between 90 and 95% of the items wrong. What an incredibly dispiriting experience. They come out of this going, I could do it. I got to the end of an assessment. You know, it's a really liberating experience for them. Interestingly, the high flyers that would whiz through a paper test in 10 minutes and basically get 100%, I said, oh, God, that, that was a difficult test. I, I had to think. There was things I got wrong there. I didn't recognize some of the maths. I've never not recognized any of the maths. And at least, if nothing else, it's making them realize there's something else to move on to. There are new challenges. Um, but there's a few uh, interesting bits we've had feedback on. The system stops once it's decided its estimate of the learner's ability is accurate enough. So this means learners get tests of different lengths. Teachers and some learners have a very ingrained opinion as to what is fair. And we've had a lot of feedback how it's desperately unfair that one learner has had 28 questions and another has had 32. So I don't really quite know how to respond to that or what to say about it. Other than, you know, it's a takeaway in the there is part of our paper culture of assessment now that is so deeply ingrained that, that fairness is about doing exactly the same for all people, even if it's a terrible fit for some of those people. It's very interesting that you know, the personalization message here has, has not got through to all of the uh, teachers yet. Um, <clears throat> and this bit here about the most able learners being presentable some questions they haven't been formally taught... Some teachers embrace this and go, it's great. I can see who my most gifted learners are. They're galloping ahead. I didn't realize they could do things from three years ahead. Isn't that, isn't that really good? And we've had others coming back going, this is terrible. My learner had something they're not going to get taught until next year. How on earth are they supposed to do that? And you're, 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 you're judging my teaching based on stuff I haven't taught them yet. And it's like, no, we're not judging your teaching. We're telling you what this learner can do. Isn't that interesting and useful information? Um, so there's, there's still a massive cultural journey for everyone to, to, to go on because these tests are they're so different from, uh, from, from current practice. But the primary purpose of all of this is to provide some uh, detailed feedback. Uh, so example questions. You all know what a surpass screen looks like, but this is actually our uh, familiarization test. In the familiarization test, we give the... Uh, settings buttons so they can set up their accessibility settings. When they're live, because those accessibility settings have been set in advance and sent to the thing, we even strip that button away. So learners have two buttons. They have this little globe, which toggles up the uh, language equivalent translation of the question, 
and they have the next button. That's it. All the other controls are stripped away because six-year-old kids are massively click-happy and they'll click on any button. And if you give them other things, they'll just do mad things. So we keep it simple. We give them an answer box and a next button. Um, and reading is slightly different because English and Welsh are, you know, fundamentally they're different. The languages are syntactically different. So you can't have parallel banks of language tests. So they're developed uh, basically on the same sort of size with roughly the same amount of uh, uh, content in there, but they're independently uh, developed. And the adaptive text, uh, tests are delivered by adapting at the text level. So we have a text, we have either three or eight questions, and we work out the uh, uh, learner's ability, and then we give them an easier or more difficult text depending on how they've, uh, how they've done. And at the uh, uh, lower end of the ability range, we have sentence completion items uh, in, the, uh, in there as well. Uh, so we'll see something like this, either uh, a close item, which is based on a, a sort of multiple choice approach, uh, or then once we get into the extended text, we have the text. This is the sort of side-by-side -side pop up view uh, and multiple choice or uh, a multiple response option. And so again, you'll see really clean interface. We have a little button that allows them to pop up the text. We have really clear instructions telling them how many options they should pick and the next button. And look at, yeah, nothing else on the screen. Clean as we could get it. Um, so that's how the tests themselves get delivered. As I say, the principle is basically formative feedback. It's supposed to be telling people what they need to do to progress. So the one thing we don't do is we don't give the learner a score. Because, of course, at the moment they go, oh, great, I've got 17. Move on and ignore all the useful information. So we don't give them the score. Fundamentals of formative assessment. Uh, most people hate it, of course, because everyone's obsessed with scores because we've taught them that's the only thing that counts over, uh, over time. But here is the uh, learner's feedback report. So we tell them, and we keep it very factual, the hardest questions I got right were on these skills. Some of the questions I got wrong were on these skills. We purposely don't say you can do fractions or, oh, you can't do your seven times table because we've only asked them one or two questions. We don't have the information to make definitive statements saying these are definitely your strengths and weaknesses. So we, we, we give them the factual feedback on what they've demonstrated. But based on their ability, we then say, because we've divided up the bank into, uh, into deciles, and based on their ability, we say all the kinds of questions that you could answer at your kind of ability uh, are on these sorts of skills, using the correct order of operations, understand how fractions and decimals and percentages are connected. Uh, next step is you'll be moving on to understanding the use of powers and working out what percentage a number is increased or decreased by. You know, it's, so it's very, uh, uh, it's very factual and it's, uh, it, it's a broad guide, no score appearing anywhere in there. The teacher gets different reports. So they get to see, for example, here's a small class, here's the class uh, average, here's uh, the, uh, the learner's standardized scores. So 1,000 gives them the national average. So we demonstrate the national average, but we don't make it overt because we're not sort of saying you need to compare yourself about the average. But you can see that we've got quite a high-performing little, uh, little group here. And we can see that it's a, uh, a very tight spread. And down below, we give them the statistics of 
the assessments that all of these individuals uh, uh, sat. And so they can copy and paste and download this into their uh, management information system if they wish to do so. Uh, we also give them a skills profile because once we've got a class where they're answering groups of questions, we can start to give them information about of the uh, 10 topics which we've tagged questions against, we can say, well, your class as a whole appears to be strongest on fractions, decimals, and percentages, and they seem to be weakest on handling data. But also what you'll see is we grey out any of the areas where we just don't have enough data to uh, report reliably on, stop teachers over-interpreting where the data doesn't exist, and we give a nice big question mark where we say, look, this is our best estimate, but there's not loads of data here, so treat this with, uh, treat this with caution. But you can imagine, if you start looking at a year group, and you find across your whole year, this data score is consistently the lowest uh, thing, you might start thinking, well, maybe I should think about my uh, teaching of data handling skills. Um, we also provide learner journey charts so that you can see uh, each item you get right and wrong, and this is a dynamic report as you hover over it. You can see the, uh, uh, the, the, the question topics, so you can see which topics they're getting uh, questions right and wrong on. And you can see learner behavior. We see some very common patterns. We see the sort of uh, non-confident learners that quite often they get two or three or four wrong at the start as they're a bit unsettled and then they get an easy one and their confidence builds and they get every single question right thereafter and gradually build up. You get the kids who get bored, they start really well and go, oh, will this test never end and just stop trying and they just sort of uh, sidle off. And it's quite interesting, we've spoken with teachers and they go, I don't even need the names, you know, like I can look at the pattern and I can tell which learners are which out of my uh, class because it's how those uh, learners behave. And this is the really intriguing one. This is basically the progress chart. So what we've actually got is this is the uh, national standardized trend over time of the learners progressing up that ability scale. So the interesting bit is it's a trumpet. So what happens is in primary school, which is kind of this section here, all of our learners are progressing quite nicely. There's a big spread of ability, but everyone's making progress. They hit secondary school, and the weakest learners stop dead and go nowhere, whilst the brightest learners just charge on ahead. So, you know, this is hot off the press. This is the first time we've had the whole national cohort on one standardized scale matched across the whole uh, year. It's fascinating that you know, we can now see um, where progress is stopping. So it doesn't necessarily give us any answers at this point, but it's going to be very interesting to see what uh, uh, teachers choose to do with this data and whether or not we see schools identifying their learners that fall into this section down here and what are they going to do about stopping them sort of being lost to the system and failing to make any progress. I said I'd talk a little bit about accessibility. Um, one of the interesting bits is when we do these on paper, we have 4,000 modified papers ordered by, uh, by schools. So we took these online. 357 
uh, used the modified large print. Now, obviously, once you're online, you can use the magnifier. So the only difference between a standard test and the modified large print is where we've got tables of data or diagrams, we've used simplified tables and diagrams so that if you've got very limited vision, it's easier to capture the, uh, the pertinent information with the uh, vision that you have. We also have um, Braille accessible versions, so you can... Uh, hear the content through a screen reader, uh, but things like the diagrams are uh, sent out as a booklet of tactile diagrams. So in the question, in the Braille question, it's still delivered on screen, but it says, look at the diagram on page 12. They turn to page 12, and there's a tactile diagram there that the, uh, that the learner can uh, uh, read. And so... It's really interesting. We've done uh, we've done work with uh, visually impaired learners, um, and you know, very pleased to say, the learners wholeheartedly prefer the online tests because they have found them more uh, more user friendly. I look at it and think, oh my god, you know, I listen to screen readers and stuff, and I think this sounds incredible. You know, as a sighted person, seems incredibly difficult to use. But, of course, it's their natural way of working, and they're actually really good at using this, and they find their, their navigation, their way around, that they're, they're uh, remarkably good at it. They need, a, particularly the people with visual impairment who aren't blind, they need to take a bit of time to get used to the zooming and the scrolling, but uh, that appears to work uh, extremely well. And one of the interesting bits of feedback that we had is, uh, we've had some of the VI learners said, I hate getting a big paper. It marks me out as different. Here, I just sit and I've just got a computer the same as everyone else, and I work with my computer, and now I'm not different. Um, so, you know, all in all, we think all the work we've done on accessibility is excellent. We've got more work to do. We, you know, because we want to see 100% take up of these assessments. We want to see everybody taking one of these ultimately, because that will show we've really uh, uh, made it accessible to absolutely uh, everybody. So. No doubt there'll be more information on that coming, uh, coming out. Um, I would just encourage uh, anyone, you're going to get these uh, slides. If you want to see uh, the learners actually talking about what it's like to sit and do these tests, there's a lovely little video there. I shan't play it now because of the timing, but uh, when you get these slides, click into that, have a look. There's some uh, interesting little vignettes of the learners telling you what they thought about the uh, assessments. Thank you. So there we have it, a really interesting insight into the work that's been going on in Wales over the past year. I do really hope that England particularly sits up and wakes up to what's been going on out there and the fantastic uh, achievements. And if you want to watch the video, we'll include a link in this uh, description in the podcast for that. And it's, a, it's worth watching. I've got to say that one of our project managers who was involved in that, he said he always sheds a tear when he watches that because it, it, it's just realizes just how inspirational this project has been if you want any more information on the work that we've been doing on this then if you go to btl.com surpass and there you'll be able to find out information about surpass and the platform uh, if you want to be put in contact with gavin or anyone at the team at alpha plus then you can obviously search alpha plus or drop me a line at marketing at btl.com my name is tim Burnett. i've been your host today i hope you've enjoyed this session and i hope to speak to you soon thank you bye